0: Let's just turn that to God. That praise—it's all for Him. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much. So I have an in Afrikaans. Break that I'm just kidding. So for those who missed that joke, I said I'm going to preach in Afrikaans, but but I won't. All right. Um, well, I, I wanna start off by just honoring the leaders of the house and saying thank you so much for trusting basically someone you don't really know with, <laughs> with your stage because you know that man, Andre, and trust him. And, uh, and we met just a couple of months ago at a wedding and we just connected. It's one of those connections where you feel, man, it feels like I've known you for years. Um, So thank you, Andre, for connecting me with this awesome church that's literally changing lives and a nation. I can just sense it and feel it as I'm here. That's awesome. And thank you so much, Daryl, for organizing everything, putting it all together. Thank you for the band. You guys are awesome. So good. Your band is really good. Really good. I've, I've had the privilege of playing with many professional musicians over the years, and they are really good. Really good. So... You, you are very blessed. And your sound system, and I mean, I'm just like, I'm drooling, you know, because it's this, this is not normal. It is not normal. And I've heard a bit of the story of where you guys come from and, and how you've gotten here, and it's just such a great testament to, to God's goodness and faithfulness. And, and men and women of God who trust and step out in faith daily on your behalf, and, and those who are willing to follow, to take them to greater heights. So it's, it's really awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Let's give your leaders a big round of applause. <laughs> so Friday, I was flying up here from Cape Town. I live in Somerset West. Uh, one day when you go to heaven, you will you will pass that and then, you know, <laughs> I told that joke to someone a week ago, and he said, oh, so it didn't make heaven. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Anyway, so I was flying, I was flying up, and, and I, was, I was quite tired, it's been quite a hectic couple of weeks, and I, I was just listening to music and trying to sleep on the plane, which is always, you know, awkward. Uh, and then in the middle of the flight somewhere, bam, I got this flash in my, in my spirit, man, Colossians 3. <laughs> I kid you not. So I I, I I take it out. I start reading it, and I start making notes. And I'm like, this is, I had a plan for what I wanted to do tonight, but then apparently God changed that plan. Uh, I landed, I, I drive with Daryl to church, and... He says to me, yeah, so we've been doing a series on Colossians for basically the whole year, and he's, Pastor John is just kind of finishing up with Colossians 2, and I'm listening to this, I'm going, did I I tell you, no, how amazing is that? It's like, blew my mind. So, apparently, we're going to talk about Colossians 3. Okay? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? All right, let's close our eyes and focus on Jesus. Lord, we love you. We honor you. You are the word. You were there in the beginning. We thank you for your written word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us as we read your word. We want to be impacted by what you have for us tonight. Lord, I don't want to stand in the way. I don't want my thoughts and opinions to stand in the way. I want your truth and only your truth to come and just overwhelm our spirits with who you are and what you are trying to say to us in this word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So our scripture for tonight, the, the main verse is Colossians 3 from verse 1 to 4. Um, yeah, I wasn't kidding. And it says, I got this from the New King James. I think we have the ESV up there. Can you put it for me from one to four or are you guys going to skip ahead? I shouldn't even ask. You guys are just excellent. So, yeah. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died. Luckily, there's a comma. And your life (laughs) is hidden with Christ (laughs) in God. When Christ who is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Let that sink in for a moment while I take a sip of water. When I used to do secular Afrikaans shows, I picked up this little trick. Whenever I drink water, I tell people, when I drink water, just applause like something amazing is happening. Because it does two things, you know. It kills the awkward silence. Like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me feel really good. (laughs) See, it works. (laughs) It just works. All right. So before I delve into this, I want to I want to just tell you a little bit of my story because some of you might be going. What? <laughs> he said it. So yeah, can you you said you only have the ESV there, but can you can you put up 1 John 5 verse 21 in the King James? It says in the New King James that I know. Dear children, keep away from idols. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I just love God's sense of humor. When I read that the first time, I was like, what? That is awesome. I'm going to start with that every time and and uh, you know when at the time when I did idols I had a lot of christians judge me and tell me that's you can't do that it's it's literally called idols <laughs> have you read the bible <laughs> and and I was like I I hear you but and I can't explain it I just know that I know god has said I must do this anyway that's another long story the the thing I wanted to focus on tonight was my story and how I got saved and what happened after that. So I grew up in Stellenbosch. That's you know just a little bit prettier than Somerset West down there in the Western Cape. <laughs> um my well, I grew up very Afrikaans is so You'll know if you grew up Afrikaans as well. Fairly average. Typical Afrikaans upbringing, uh, Dutch Reformed Church, uh, education is everything, and one day you get a real job, and you know that's uh, kind of the, the norm. And in Stellenbosch, it's even more so. If you, if you don't get a like a doctorate, there's something wrong with you. And so I grow up in this environment, and and I believe that I am a Christian because I'm growing up in a Christian home, and. I go to church, I go to Sunday school. I was even quite the debater in grade 10 in my dad's little Sunday school group to his frustration. It's like, yes, dad, but you know, it says this here, but what about this over here? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> uh, Let's just stick to the plan. <laughs> so even, but I know, even before I got saved, God was, working in me, you know. But anyway, I was so convinced that I am a Christian that I was a youth leader in school. I had a cell group. And it was on a youth leader's camp that I got saved. (laughs) The Saturday night, we had a worship session, and then the the worship leader just put on that song, Agnew's Day, from Michael L.B. Smith, softly in the background. And then he said, That was cute. (sighs) That just took me back to the 90s. Uh, So we, so and then he said, "I'm not going to explain the whole thing, but the bottom line is, he said, imagine that you are walking through a forest, and then you come out of this forest into a clearing, and in front of you there's a wall, and this wall is what separates you from God. Ask God, what is the wall?" And then he just kind of left us. And I was experiencing this very, very vividly. When I was walking through the forest, I could hear the leaves crackle under my feet. And I could hear the birds singing. And, you know, I guess that's because I'm a creative. And I I got out of this clearing and 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 I was overwhelmed by this wall. I couldn't see where it ended. And I couldn't see how high it was. It was that overwhelming. And then the bricks in the wall turned into these little gremlins like demons laughing at me. And I was like, what do I do with this? And I just said, Lord, show me, what, what is this wall? And I just felt this sin that separates you from me. And you haven't given your life to me yet. I can explain it better now. In that moment, it wasn't that, you know, complex. It was more of like, Lord, what do I do? This is sin. I was like, Lord, forgive me. I am so sorry for everything that I've done that's not of you. I want to be with you. And in an instant, I saw that wall turn to dust. Not crumble, dust. And I physically felt how I ran into the arms of the living God, and he held me and said, I love you, my son. And it wrecked me. Up until that point, I did not know how much I needed to hear that didn't know. It wrecked me. The camp was in Clainmont. We went to the beach afterwards at night. When my feet hit the sand, I started running. It was like a Forrest Gump moment. (laughs) I, I felt like I was a superhero, like I was running like the flash, and I couldn't stop. I just had this supernatural energy. And I ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. And eventually I ended up somewhere in the beach and I started worshiping God. I just sang all the songs I knew. And then I made up some songs. It just completely changed my life. But you know, if you are married, you should know this, unless you are really lucky, that a love relationship starts with that being in love feeling. That's zeal, right? And nothing can go wrong. And you can't say anything wrong. Do you remember the honeymoon phase of your, of your marriage? The honeymoon phase is hopefully longer than the honeymoon itself. The honeymoon phase is, is characterized by the fact that both parties are very nice to each other all the time. Because they are in love. They are high on in loveness. <laughs> and the guy is thinking... It's okay if she says that or does that little irritating thing, because tonight I get to sleep with her. The women are thinking, it's okay, I will change him. (laughs) And then one day is one day. And you realize that this honeymoon phase might be coming to an end. For me, it looked like this. Every morning, I would wake up as a young married man and I would roll over and kiss my wife like a married man. And there was no problem until one morning where I wanted to do what I do every morning and she was like, uh uh. (laughs) Die back (laughs) with your geborsel word. Go brush your teeth. I was like, "What? Where did that come from?" It's not like you're smelling like lavender, honey. Anyway, somewhere in that same month, we had this conversation. Have you? You probably have had this conversation, babe. Come What's going on here? She's pointing at the toilet the lid is up, I'm going, this seems to be a trick question. <laughs> and I don't know what to say, but I'm just gonna go with, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so she says, the lid is up, Then I need the lid down. I'm like, okay, but when I get here, it's down. And I just do this. She's like, I don't care. You put it down when you're done. You know? So I was getting the sense that things are changing. <laughs> so the honeymoon phase, when it ends, is characterized by the fact that people start speaking their minds and saying what are those things that bother them. And I felt in my relationship with God that I had a honeymoon phase where I was so zealous for him. I was, I was reading the Bible reading different translations. I was reading books about the Bible. I was trying to just, I had a hunger for him that couldn't be quenched, or so I thought. And then one day, I just took a little compromising step back to the old self. I call them old man hiccups. Because my old man has died and is alive in Christ, but I have a free will. And when I start looking back at the meat pots of Egypt, I'm like, mm, that was nice, you know? When I, maybe if I just kind of hug the edge here, it's okay. And then because of my personality type and my love language, because I grew up in a home where my parents were just being the best parents they possibly could be. And they wanted me to be the best person that I could possibly be. So what happened was, if I did well, they would praise me. Say, I'm proud of you. Well done. That's amazing. My love language is words of affirmation. I know that now. As a child, I didn't know that. But I knew that when they tell me, I'm proud of you and you're amazing, that I was like, I'm loved. I felt loved. At the same time, when I messed up, made mistakes, didn't do the right thing, and they would scold me, discipline me, I would feel, oh man, they don't love me. And I had this seesaw emotional relationship. So much so that at one point, when when I, I wanted to tell my parents everything. And at one point, I started realizing when I was older and the kids around me were talking and showing and doing things that were not cool with parents, but when I tell my mom certain things, her reaction made me go, I'm not going to tell you anymore because I don't want to hurt you and I don't want you to be angry. So I'm just going to edit what I tell you. Anyone, has? have anyone done that? So the problem with that was when I, when I got saved, born again, in, and I was a Dutch reformer at that stage. So there was no, There was no concept of being discipled. There was no concept of being counseled. There was no concept of, you know, the the process of sanctification that we read about in Romans 12. I had no concept. I just knew that certain things that I want to do are bad, and what I want to do, I don't always get right. And when I was doing well with God, I felt loved. And when I sinned, I felt like, oh man, I'm starting all over again. So I took that seesaw thing into my relationship with God and it was devastating. But I really want—I really loved him. I really did. That was not the problem. The problem was how I saw myself. Even though I had accepted Christ, I didn't realize that I was adopted as a son. I was still approaching him as an orphan in the house, looking just for the scraps, thinking that I don't belong, really. I only belong if I do the right things. And so I, I struggled with that for a long time. And my weakness was, was goals, big time. And then when I figured out if I sing and I dance well with a goal, I can pretty much get whatever I want. I use that to my advantage and to the disadvantages of many girls whose hearts I broke. And I knew deep down this is not who I am. But the, 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 the momentary enjoyment of that attention became an idol for me. And, and, and I would chase that high. And then I would feel guilty. And then I would feel God doesn't love me. And then I would work to do things right, until I felt, ah, I'm good again, only to a couple of days or weeks later to fall again, and this went on for quite a while, and I was in this state going into the idols competition, which I knew God told me to do, because I got a prophetic word, and I made a decision at the end of 2001 that I was going to do music, even though I was studying law at Stellenbosch. So, a long story short, I did idols. Well, can you imagine if you have a weakness like I did, and now you're suddenly famous? What happens? I realized that the average woman that falls in love with the idea of a famous guy is stupid. <laughs> and will do stupid things. And, sorry for that word, I know that's a bit crass, but... It, it was it was amazing to me. I started telling people, I know why Steve Hofmeier has so many children. Because if 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 I if I said yes to every opportunity, I would probably have a whole bunch. But by God's grace, by God's grace. Four months after I had won idols, I got a phone call from a pastor, the same guy who about a year before that gave me a prophetic word that made me into idols. I didn't know him. I met him when he gave me the prophetic word, didn't see him again. He phones me in October 2002. He says to me, can we have coffee? We had coffee. He told me about being discipled. And I was thinking, (laughs) no, no. And initially, I approached them the same way I approached my mom, edited version of my life. And then one day, God revealed to me, I need to take this seriously because my life, my spiritual life depends on it. So I went to his house. The one day, I just broke down. I told him, bro, I'm a mess. I, I, I love Jesus. I've given my life to him, but my life is a mess. It doesn't look the way I know it should look. And then he just loved me. And I couldn't believe it. This guy was not judging me. He just said, bro, I know. This, you can't do this on your own. You need Jesus and you need men like me in your life to do this. So let me help you. And he discipled me in the best way possible. He kept pointing me to Jesus. I would find him I like, Philip. Hey, or I'm like, I'm struggling with this. And he's like, have you spoken to Jesus. No, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Go speak to Jesus first, then you can come to me. It saved my life. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for men like Philip in my life and many after him who I chose to submit to so that I can grow in Christ, amen? All right, so let's go to our scripture again. I told you that story because it, it actually fits into what we're talking about. Yes, you are clever, ne? So fast, okay. So, so before, before I talk to you about God's word, we need to establish something. Because we live in a world where truth is fluid. Did you know that the word of the year last year was post-truth? It's a new word they came up with. Do you know what post-truth means? What I feel is true is true. If you look over the past year, what's been happening in our world, can you see that? What did Jesus say? Who is he? The? The? The truth, the life, the way. So before I go into this, I need to ask all of you, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? It's about 25 of you, all right? Do you believe that it is the truth? Good. Do you think that your experience and circumstances and things that you're facing can ever trump the truth of the Word of God? Are you sure? Do you feel like doing something so, so if if I feel like doing something, but it's contrary to God's word, what should I do as a Christian? This is the question, because if, if I am, I say I'm a Christian, I'm saved. I died with Christ, ro- died to, in my old self, rose with Christ, and now I'm walking this life, okay? Now, I'm, His word says, for example... Let's say his words say, where two or more gathered, and they agree, then whatever they ask, God will do. Let's say you you read that scripture. Now you get two people together, you pray for something, and now you're like, (laughs) it's going to happen. Like right now, I've got great faith, it's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. Or something contrasting or contrary happens. What do you do? Does your experience trump the word of God? If you feel deep inside of what you think is who you are, that living a certain way is just who I am. I can't change this. I've tried. It's just who I am. But that choice of who you say you are is contrary to the word of God. Which one wins? We live in a world where people's feelings and experiences and opinions are the driving force behind their decisions. And not the word of God. One day I was I was watching I was flipping through the channels when all these things about you know when things were at their most heated it seemed with Trump and MAGA caps and all this stuff and I was I was flipping purposely between CNN Fox News on my app Russia Today and then our local news channels and it was amazing to see the different Versions of the truth. On the same story, mind-blowing. And I had I just felt God say to me, if you don't have a solid moral compass, you will get lost. A lot of these people that are judging whoever, and I've 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 been through this myself, I have been crucified on social media. For having an opinion based on the word. So I know what it feels like. People sit there in their armchairs, not doing anything in life, not changing anyone's life. But what they're very good at is spewing out their opinions. Based on what? Based on their moral compass. Because you have this thing inside of you that says what's right or wrong. And then you react accordingly. Right? So, if I'm a liberal with an outright liberal agenda and someone that I don't agree with says something that is against what I think is right, let's say it's hate speech. I'm against hate speech. That guy, what he's doing is hate speech. And then you go and what do you do? You hate speech him. What are you doing? It's insane. Like, you mustn't do what you're doing, but I'm gonna do it to you. It's like, what is this? A playground for four-year-olds. That's what the news to me looks like. Why? Because they don't have a moral compass outside of what they decide. Amen? And I realize I'm so glad that I have a moral compass that is not based on me and my feelings and my opinions. But it tells me, how I should live it tells me from the perspective of the one who created me have you ever had trouble with your car if you don't know anything about cars okay I'm not talking to mechanics let's say you know nothing about cars all right and your car breaks down are you going to open up the bonnet take tools and start hammering and taking things apart are you going to do that no, because you're going to go, I'm insane. Or someone's going to come along and say, what are you doing? And like, I'm fixing my car. <laughs> like, but you're not qualified. Did you build the car? No. Did you train to fix this car? No. Have you read the manual? No. So what are you doing? I'm trying to get the thingamabob in this thingamajig. The... But that's exactly what we are doing with our lives The the one that created you, that designed you. Did you know that he did it before time began, before the foundations of the earth, the word says? So what did he create first? He created your spirit first. And the Bible says God decides what time, what place, each and every man, woman, and child is formed on this earth. Go read Genesis 1. In the beginning it says God created man and woman. And in chapter 2, it says, he formed him from the dust. You are created in spirit first. Your original design is there. And now you are formed in this body that, according to the word, is supposed to be the temple of God. The Holy Spirit must dwell in you. It tells us that you've been, you are not your own. You've been bought at a price, But is the way that you are living showing that? Or are you rewriting the manual to suit you? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. That's why I ask you, do you believe the Bible is true? Do you believe it? Because this is what it says. I I went back, when I read Colossians 3, I was... I was like, wow, this is awesome. So I went back to one and two, and I read through all of it. And you know what I, what, I, what I noticed? And this is actually what I thought must be the title of this message. If, ellipsis, in, ellipsis, then. If, in, then. I know it's kind of weird, but it'll make sense in a moment. I'm gonna read our scripture first and then I'm gonna go back to some of my other scriptures. It starts with if then you have been raised with Christ. Who's an English major? What is that? What is that tense? So it is done. Amen? Seek the things that are above. So if you are in Christ, then seek. The things of God. You see that? Two of you. All right, that's the start. I'll I'll keep working on that. I like you guys. Colossians 1, verse 21 to 23. You guys will know this well because you've studied this with Pastor John. And you who once were alienated. Did you know that you were once an alien? (laughs) That's exciting for the sci-fi fans. And enemies in your mind by wicked works. Do you know one of the biggest lies that the world believes, and I'm sorry to say many Christians believe, is that we are born essentially good. We are born, most people are good, you know. I've, I've spoken to many people, they go, I, I, I think I'll go to heaven, I'm a good person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever lied? Yeah, probably. Have you ever stolen anything, even if it was a small thing? Yeah. Is there anyone that you don't like, you know, said bad things about, yeah, yeah. Okay, you've just broken like three of the commandments. And it says if you've broken one, you've broken them all. So, how good are you now? No, 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 but you know, I don't kill people. So, the bar for being good is not murdering people. Do you see what problem we have? Do you see this? Yet now, once were, yet now, he has reconciled, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Wow. That's like three majorly big things, guys. 23. If indeed you continue in the faith. Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven. There's a if there. I know this hurts. It hurts me when I read this. But it's very important if. Verse 27, to them... God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. There's been a mystery among the people of God for centuries, and it's been revealed to us. And what is the mystery? Christ in you. When is he in you? If you gave your life to him. Colossians 2 verse 6. So I'm moving on to 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus. What's that tense again? Can you see it? As you therefore have received Christ, so walk in Him. Rooted, built up in Him, and established in the faith. Can you see how many times the word in comes up? Are Are you seeing it? Or is it just me? As you have been taught. See, that's quite important. Teaching, discipleship, mentoring, walking with others, abounding in it with thanksgiving. The Amplified says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him, reflecting His character in the things you do and say. Reflecting His character in the things you do and Man, I had to repent when I read this. Because I, I still do and say things that do not reflect the character of God. Having been deeply rooted in Him. The rest of that is pretty much the same. Colossians 2.9 in the ESV. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in Him who is the head and, the, and all, uh, of all rule and authority. Verse 11, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. It's done, it's gone. It's not there. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Are you seeing a pattern? This pattern hit me in the forehead like, wow. This is amazing. Verse 20, if with Christ, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? This speaks of all these man-made rules and regulations that religious people pushes down your throat to do. Then back to our main verse. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, which Christ is seated at the right, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. That's an instruction. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. I mean, it can't be more clear. Where's your treasure? Do not store up treasures on earth where not You know this thing. Store it up in heaven. Set your mind. Is your mind set on the things of heaven? Is my mind set on the things of heaven? Not on the things on earth. For, let's see how many times you hear this. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Now, new instruction, verse 5 put to death therefore what is earthly in you now here's the fun little list of the things that you need to put to death put to death this is after he said you have died why is it necessary for paul after he said well you have died if you have died like he can't be any more clear you gave giving life to christ now have you died if you died and then he says on top of that he has to tell them what this looks like and do we not also need to hear this put to death put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Does it sound like he's doubting whether it will come? No. I've read this in other translations as well. That's what he says. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's not a maybe statement. I'm asking you again, do you believe what the word of God says? It was easy in the beginning, right? Yeah, sure, I believe it. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute, wait. I don't, I, I don't wait. I'm offended right now, and my feelings are hurt. So this can't be true. The list is not finished. But now you must put them all away. Not maybe, not some of them, all of them away. I am biting into these words for a reason because we skim the Bible many times. And we don't allow it to come in. What does it say in Joshua 1? Meditate on my word day and night. Then you will prosper. Are you not prospering? Do you feel like I'm not prospering as much as I should be prospering? Are you meditating on the word of God day and night? Yeesh. I hope they invite me back. Put them all away. And then it makes a list. Anger. Oof. Wrath. God's wrath is coming, but you're not allowed to have any. Malice. Slander. I must watch my mouth. What am I saying about other people to other people? Obscene. Obscene talk, but I was convicted by this, there are certain things that cannot come out of my mouth because I am representing the character of Christ and I had to repent and have, so do not lie to each other That's the next one in verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. He keeps repeating himself. Do you see this? This is Paul. He keeps repeating. Why do you think he keeps repeating himself? Maybe because this is important. Do not lie to one another. (laughs) It's just a white lie. I didn't say anything. A lie by omission is as bad as a lie of commission. Ina. One day I had this really awkward conversation with my oldest. He was like three. And he was <laughs> at this moment like looking at this overweight person, he said, Papa, how come is that tiny fat. Ma, I, I, like, why is that lady overweight? They're Like, loud. So good, Uh, you know, we we can't say that out loud, you know, because it can. He's like, but it's the truth. I'm like, you you told me to tell the truth and not lie. You know what I realized in that moment? We teach our children to lie, and we call it good manners. We do, and then we are surprised when they lie to us. Who broke this? <laughs> this, is, this, is my, this is my five-year-old when he's guilty. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> my wife goes, I teach people about body language. I know what you're doing. <laughs> Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on. He's like telling us what you've put off and now what you've put on, the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Back to the start, back to your original design. That's what God wants for you. What is he really saying here? This stuff that you are caught up in and busy with is not who you are. It is not who you are. This is not how I designed you to be. Can I show you how I've designed you to be? In me, you are more than a conqueror. Amen? In me, you're an overcomer. You can do all things. Nothing is impossible. That's who you are. You're a king. You're a queen. In the kingdom of God, that is who you are. Why are you messing with the stuff that the enemy is keeping you busy with? (laughs) So in verse five, it says, put to death these things. And it's listed it for us, made us really uncomfortable. Verse 12 tells us what we should be doing. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So he first tells us who we are, doing a much better job than I just did. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. You are a chosen one of God. There's another verse, if you read it with this, I think you need to read it with this. It says, many are called... But few are chosen. I wondered for a while what that means. And then I saw this pastor one day explain it in this way that helped me to understand it. Maybe it'll help you to understand. He said, if I I ask, I call out and say, who wants to join me for dinner at this restaurant? So I'm calling everyone. And the amount of people that put their hands up, then I'm going to go, I choose you. I choose you, and I choose you. Come with me. Many are called, but few are chosen. Because few are putting up their hands. Say, here I am, Lord, send me. We are chosen, holy, and beloved. You can know that tonight. You are chosen, holy, beloved. What does holy mean? sanctified, set apart. Do you not feel special tonight? God is telling you, you are so special to him. And this is what our lives should look like. Can Can you read it with me? Verse 12, we must have compassionate hearts. We have put off the other stuff to death and we are putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and my favorite, patience. Guys, do you want to change a nation? Do you want to see South Africa changed? Verse 13: bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. Ina so you also must forgive it doesn't say so you should you know maybe forgive once you feel like it and your anger has to oh wait anger is on the list do you believe what the bible says Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must forgive. And above all these, put on, put on. It's a instruction which asks for a action. Put on love, which binds everything together together in perfect harmony and let the peace, let it, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. This talks about unity. Goes right in there with Ephesians 4. And be thankful, we get that again, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. The first time I read that word admonishing, I thought as an Afrikaner, it means... You know, saying nice things and encouraging. No. It's kind of the opposite. Pointing out what you're doing wrong. So it's telling us as the ecclesia, the chosen ones, the church of Christ, the called out ones, the chosen ones. It's telling us we have a responsibility to one another. If I really love you, I will tell you, bro, you can't do that. The way you are speaking about that other guy in front of everybody, it's, it's on the list. Why did you have that burst of anger with your wife? Where is that coming from? Come, let us have a chat, man. Work through this. There must be a reason why that's there and why you haven't put it to death yet. How was your dad? Was your dad angry? Did he throw things around? Yeah, I did, okay. Maybe that's a root cause. Let's, work. Let's go to book your session at Sozo. Work through these things. I, I went for Stozo just a couple of months ago. You know, just refresh. Make sure all those things are sorted out. I need to close, obviously. I think I'm way over my time. Uh, but I'm trusting that God is, is speaking to us. And I, the most important thing right now is that none of us feel condemnation. That is not of God. But what we do need to maybe see here tonight is that He has given us everything we need to live this godly life. In Ephesians 1, it says very clearly, we have been given every heavenly blessing. It's been given to us. 2 Peter 1 says, we are partakers of the divine nature. Do you feel like a partaker of the divine nature? That's who you are. But we have to take heed of the word of God because Paul wrote this out of love while he was in chains, loving his fellow believers who he led to Christ, gave them the gospel, they took it. And now he's sensing like there's confusion. There's, people are thinking they can live one way, but no, this is not, you're not called to that. And this is what happened to me. As soon as I was engaging with a man of God and he showed me the scriptures, I only felt conviction and I felt God's love like just bowling me over. Even though I've had this list of things that I needed to put to death and I struggled to put to death, he loved me through people. He loved me in my quiet time into the fullness of what he has called me to. I'm not standing here preaching this because I've made it and I'm perfect. My wife will tell you and give you a list. I'm standing here preaching this message because God called me to do this. And believe me, even in this week, I was struggling. And a friend of mine that, that watched me minister recently, he said to me, I've been watching what you do and I, and I need to ask you, why are you holding back? I'm like, what do you mean? And, and we prayed about it, and God showed me that I've, I believe a lie that I'm unqualified because I don't have a degree in this. And through my friend, we just prayed, and he, and he, and he showed me that if God can qualify a fisherman to change the world... I'm pretty sure he can qualify you for his work. And if you have all those PhDs behind your name, who are people going to cheer and give glory to if you preach a good message? The glory must all go to him. So that encouraged me and gave me boldness for just tonight. (laughs) Because if I didn't have that chat, I probably wouldn't have spoken about Colossians 3. Because this is hard, right? Right? So I'm not speaking from a place of I've arrived. I'm speaking from a place of oh my word, God loves me so much, he loves you so much, and because he loves you and I love him, I love you. And I want the body of Christ to walk in the fullness that we were called to. Did you know that the statistics show that we are a nation of 84% Christians? Why did I tell you in the beginning that I was a cultural Christian? because I believe that's one of the biggest epidemics in our nation. So we have a whole bunch of cultural Christians who are not saved, not born again, not filled with the Holy Spirit, not operating in this way, where they've put to death the things that they are not and put on the things that they are in Christ because they don't know. And I'm not judging. I am screaming to the top of my lungs, please see this, because this is who we are. We are not gonna change a nation by coming together on a Sunday and patting each other on the back, putting a, a couple of ran in a bowl and then going to have lunch. That's gonna change nothing. How many, how many sermons by Stephen Furtick and all these famous people do you listen to on a regular basis and actually put into action what you heard in the message? I sometimes walk into the room And my wife is listening to the third message of the day. I'm like, babe, (laughs) I love you. That was a great message. But shouldn't we put that into practice first before we move on to the next one? Some of us might get stuck on one of those things on that list, sexual immorality. That's the one I had to, I struggled with it for years. It's an ongoing battle. And if I didn't have men around me and people that I walk with, I would be in a whole other place. We need Jesus. We need his word to show us what is right and what is wrong. Then we need to believe that and we need to live it. Why? Because we are a reflection of Christ's character to this world. And if we are not doing it, then nothing's going to change. We are the called out ones that can change a nation. The church has to set the example for unity. The scriptures are rife with scriptures on call to unity. Jesus himself prayed to the Father in John 17, passionately, make them one as you and I are one. There isn't even unity in the church in South Africa. There isn't even unity in some local congregations. Do you know why? Because we struggle to have unity in the home. Daryl's looking at his watch. I need to, <laughs> to wrap this up. Can we please stand? Um, can I please have the band on stage? Thank you. There, there, is, there is power in, in bringing these things to the light. There's power in repentance. And there's power in the prayer to put to death, put off, and to put on. I I do not believe that you know we can get saved and just coast to heaven thinking that's okay. You will never walk in the fullness of what God has for you if that is your attitude. And and there's a, there's a danger that you can miss out on, on what he has for you. If you just think, oh, I'm saved, cool. When's the rapture happening? Is there a rapture? I don't know. I hope so. Is there oil in your lamp? Is there oil in your lamp? Are you ready for when he is coming? But that shouldn't be the thing you focus on. The thing we should be focusing on is how do I, how do I bring heaven to earth while I'm here? If you are in him, then live what he's called you to be. Amen? Amen? All right. Uh, Can you play something beautiful, Patty? Because we all know that's how the Holy Spirit comes. Guys, I, I didn't write this out. I'm just gonna go with how the Spirit leads me. But I want you to, f- to just close your eyes and and focus on Jesus. If you if you pray in this in the tongue in tongues, just do that for a little while. this place Lord we've we've read your word we've heard the truth the only truth that matters and and a lot of it is hard to hear but Lord tonight we choose to align our lives with your word us to I want you to to pray after me I'm going to go through this list that we are going to put these things to death amen repeat after me Lord Jesus tonight I choose to put to death sexual immorality impurity Passion, evil desire, and covetousness. I put to death anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from my mouth. I put to death lying, and I choose to put on. A compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I will bear with my brother and sister. If I have a complaint, I will forgive them. As you have forgiven me, I will also forgive. I put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I choose to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart because we have been called to one body in Christ. Amen. We're going to do a song called Altar. And I want to encourage you, while we were doing those decorations, I believe the Holy Spirit has been pointing out things that you may not have put to death. Or maybe you've been keeping a little pet version of it, thinking it's okay. But I believe God wants to set people free in this evening of all those things that are holding you back from the fullness that He has for you. So I want you to use this song as an opportunity to come and lay all those things at the altar. Amen? All right. If you are here tonight and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and showing that maybe your story is similar to mine, that you've been a cultural Christian up until this point, that you've never really made a decision to follow Christ and have an intimate relationship with Him. and Maybe your story is completely different. You're invited here. You've never seen this kind of thing happen. But you know there's something changing inside of you right now. You can't explain it. That is the Holy Spirit of God taking at your heart, saying, Come home. I've designed you for something much greater than you ever imagined. If that's you, with every eye closed, please just slip up your hand. Show us that's you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. If you're here tonight and you've walked a road with Jesus, you've given your life to Him at some point, but but you know that you know, and tonight it was clear to you that you're not living the life that He has for you to the full. Maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've gone back to the old things of your old self that you were supposed to put to death. But you want to come back home. You want to walk in that fullness. God says, I will forgive you if you you come and repent. Jesus died on the cross so that you don't have to live in that place. If that's you tonight, if you want to come back home and rededicate your life, please slip up your hand as well. Just show me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can the ministry team come to the front? And also, I want to invite, if you put up your hand tonight, I would love for you to come to the front so we can pray with you. If that was you tonight, for any of those three uh, invitations, please come to the front. I want to lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do not miss this moment. Do not miss this moment where God is inviting you to come home. Right now, the enemy might be lying to you, telling you you're going to embarrass yourself, telling you that these people are going to judge you and think, who do you think you are coming to the front? Those are all lies, tactics he's trying to use to not make you make the best decision of your life. Come on, come home, come home, come home. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I want everyone to pray this together, but this is for the people in the front specifically. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus. Today, I choose to follow you. Today, I choose to believe in my heart and to confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that you died on a cross to save me from my sin, and that you rose out of the grave so that I can have life to the full. I choose tonight to put to death the old things. And I choose to step into relationship with you, to rise from the dead with you, to reign in life in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. There's a party in heaven. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure these people will want to spend some time with you, give you some resource or something. Okay, Daryl will explain that. I'm, I'm sure. We're going to end off with. It's time. Is that good? All right. Before I do that, I know I'm so over my time, but luckily these are Christians that will forgive me. <laughs> Amen. Um, I really feel. I was going to close now. I just felt the Holy Spirit say there, there are people here that that need healing. It may be physical. It may be emotional. But if you're trusting God for a miracle, if you are hurt in any way or you've got, you're worried about something, maybe you have an illness, if that's, if that's you, please raise your hands so we can see. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So this is what we're going to do. This, we're going to trust God to heal all of these people. Amen. If you are near one of us, please raise your hands again. If you're near one of them, please put your hand on them and if whatever is hurting in your life if it's a heart issue put your hand on your heart whether it's figurative or physical and whatever a body part that's hurting or where you may have a a cancerous thing put your hand there put your hand there God wants to come and heal you right now He wants to come and heal you right now Jesus Lord, Holy Spirit, I know that you are in this place and you are touching hearts and changing lives right now, right now. Lord, whatever the ailments are that people are struggling with right now, Lord, I know that you died on the cross for each and every one of these things. And I thank you right now, Lord, you're bringing healing to broken hearts. I speak to every broken heart, and I command you in the name of Jesus, be healed. I command every piece of bitterness and unforgiveness to go right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray freedom of bitterness, freedom of unforgiveness, healing in those hearts right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. His hearts are healed. His hearts are healed. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When Jesus prayed for people to get healed, when the disciples healed, they didn't ask God to heal people. They spoke to the illness and said be gone in the name of Jesus I want you to ask the person that you are standing with and praying for what is the thing that they are struggling with what is the ailment that they have and I want you to pray after me Lord Jesus your word says That by your stripes, we are healed. Your word says, where two or more are gathered, you are there, and whatever we agree on, you will do. Lord, you sent out your disciples to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to raise the dead. We are your disciples. So in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I speak to this illness, and you name the illness. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command this illness, go now in the name of Jesus. Healing is coming to bodies right now. Energy is coming to bodies right now. Power is coming to bodies right now. Minds are being cleared of all the lies in Jesus' name. I speak to minds that feel cloudy because of lies of the enemy. And I command those lies of the enemy to fall away, for the clouds to lift, for the veils to lift. And in the name of Jesus that you will have a clear mind to hear the truth of God in Jesus' name. There are people here, I've, I sense the Holy Spirit telling me, there are people here that are worried about their marriage ending in a divorce. Maybe you're even busy with divorce procedures. Lord, I pray for every married couple that is going through a horribly tough time. And I call forth Unity. I come against the lies of the enemy that has put them in the place that they are, and I cut those lies down in the name of Jesus. I speak love into places of bitterness and hurt and brokenness and unforgiveness. Lord, I ask you to help them to take the step to forgive, to take the step to lay down whatever offenses they have, If that is you, I ask that you will right now pray after me. Lord Jesus, tonight I choose to lay down bitterness and unforgiveness towards my spouse. I am sorry, Lord, that I have said bad things against him or her. And tonight I repent of my unforgiveness and bitterness. And I choose, Lord, that despite how I feel and despite how I'm treated, that I will represent your character here on earth and I will love relentlessly in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, you, Jesus. I think there's still something happening in the spirit. I don't want to I don't want to stop it. Thank you, Jesus. I feel, I feel like there's still unfinished business in, in some of your hearts. I want to tell you from, from my own experience that my my biggest enemy to breakthrough and to the fullness that God has for me has been my pride if you you are having this inner battle in your mind right now like I don't need to do this I don't need to forgive I don't need to come forward whatever it might be I want to give you an opportunity to lay down your pride just lay it down the Bible says pride comes before the fall. And I, I don't want to see you fall. I don't want to see you full. I want to see you walk in the fullness. If you know that your pride is standing in the way, if you can't say you're sorry, if you feel like you can't even utter the words, I want you to know there's there's a there are Principalities and arguments in the in the heavenly realms that's, that's that that brought that about. It's not who you are, it's not who you are, it's not your personality. That's a lie. If you are bold enough to lay your pride down tonight and to come forward, please pray this after me, Lord Jesus. I choose tonight to lay down my pride. Lord, I repent of being self-righteous of thinking that I know better of being my own God even and I decide to lay that all down and to make you the God of my life and I choose from this moment on to do things your way thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I just want to thank the leadership again for this opportunity what a special night in his presence almost don't want to leave it's so good and uh, we're going to do the song and then we'll still be a bit around and please come forward if you still need prayer okay this is it's time
1: Probably keep going all night. Can we just really appreciate Heinz? You know, Heinz actually came up to Joe Big at his own expense because he's, he's busy. Uh, well, he's written and he's getting ready to record a new album, a worship album. Uh, because of eight prophetic words he received in the last year um, about him having an anointing in, in worship and uh, God using him in that area, not just in the secular world. And uh, he hasn't even mentioned that tonight because he's been so focused on, uh, on ministering and, and doing what the Lord has asked him to do. And so I just want to honor that and that you put the Lord first. And I, I, my, can we just pray for Heinz? Why don't you stretch out your hands? Yeah. Father, we thank you for Heinz, for, Hines, for the, the calling that is upon him, Lord. And, and as he has demonstrated tonight, as he's chosen to put your, your kingdom first, to seek you first, Lord. Lord, we ask that all these other things will be added, that you will bless him, that you will prosper him, that you will open the right doors for him, Lord. And that as he writes this album, it will be the first of many, Lord, that it will impact many, many people. It will impact this nation. It will go to other nations, Lord. And so we thank you that this is, in a sense, a, a new season and that you're, yes. you're launching Heinz and his family into a whole new season. A whole new season, a whole new season. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Lord, that you'll provide every cent that's required yes. for him to pursue and follow the dream that you've given him. And so we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen.